Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. All right, let's see here. It is 21 June. It's Sunday, Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And just a real quick announcement before we get into the update, which will be a longer than normal update. We don't have anybody to open us at the church today, and so I'm just going to extend the uh, update about 15 or 20 minutes. But um, YouTube, uh, somebody emailed me that's been subscribed to uh, the Superior Word for a long time, and he said he was unsubscribed by YouTube. And so he had to actually go in and resubscribe. So you might check any of the conservative sites that you are subscribed to, whether it's a church site or whether it's a political site, you might make sure that you are still subscribed to them because it seems like they did something, you know, maybe, I don't know why they would do that, but they did it to him and it may be other people as well. So keep an eye on that and uh, maybe send a uh, bug notice to Google so that they can get that fixed, okay? Anyway, our first category, as always, is Israel. And from Israel Hayom, Turkey warns Israeli sovereignty bid crosses a red line. Okay, Turkish foreign minister says any move by Israel on Palestinian territory will have consequences. Now, I want you to know that in January 6th of 2017, we reported from the Times of Israel that Jordan says moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, which did happen, is a red line. And On December 13th of 2017, Turkey, who is the one that's making the red line with this, Turkey's president calls Israel a terror state, says Jerusalem move is our red line. The embassy did move to Jerusalem and nothing was done about it. So I would suggest to Israel not to listen to these blowhards, but to go ahead and take over the land that belongs to them. From the Times of Israel. Over 100 international law experts sign a letter against West Bank annexation. In a document addressed to Netanyahu and other Israeli leaders, signatories say extending sovereignty is a flagrant violation of bedrock rules, which it's not, but there you go. Times of Israel. Germany will not sanction Israel over annexation. Good job, Germany. That's a Jerusalem official says that. While annexation would likely cause a certain degree of damage to bilateral ties, Berlin has made plain that it does not plan to enact sanctions against the Jewish state or recognize a Palestinian state. So at least somebody's kind of moderately on Israel's side in this. From the Times of Israel, Bennett, Naftali Bennett, who is uh, one of the ministers over in Israel, he says he's convinced that Netanyahu will not go forward with annexation. Yamina Chairman Bennett says he does not believe that Prime Minister Netanyahu will go forward with annexing parts of the West Bank as he has vowed repeatedly to do in recent months. This is going to be in 10 days, so we'll see if uh, which one is right. Is Netanyahu blowing smoke or is Naftali Bennett uh, wrong? We'll see. It says um, the right-wing leader now in the opposition accused Netanyahu of needlessly changing and dragging out the process and voiced his strong opposition to any establishment of a Palestinian state. When I see Netanyahu talking about this so often, I'm convinced more and more that he's not going to do it. If you want to do it, then do it. 
You said you'd apply sovereignty over all of Judea and Samaria and all the communities and won't establish a Palestinian state, Bennett said, referring to the West Bank by its biblical names. If you're going to shoot, shoot. Don't talk, just do it already. Does anybody know where that came from, the movie where it says, if you're going to shoot, shoot? The good, the bad, that's right, and the ugly. The guy in the bathtub, and he's taking a bath. The guy comes in to shoot him, and up comes the gun from under the water, and he shoots him. He says, going to shoot, shoot. It's a very good movie. What's one of my favorites? Okay, from Eretz Shiva. New details emerge on how Russia prevented Obama's anti-Israel resolution from passing. We know that we had a very anti-Semitic president in the White House before, by his actions, maybe not by his words, and this is a part of it right there. In 2016, Russia was willing to block former President Obama's anti-Israel resolution in the United Nations Security Council. The decision would have forced Israel to create a Palestinian state along the 1948 armistice lines. A year and a half ago, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu said that he asked a friend of mine the leader of a world power who has veto rights in the Security Council and who I have a very good relationship with to oppose resolution. And he stopped it. On November 24, 2016, two weeks after the U.S. election, Netanyahu called up Russian President Putin explaining that Obama's decision to pass Resolution 2334 would destabilize the Middle East and harm Israel, and requesting that Putin announce that he would veto the resolution blocking it from passing. Putin, however, rejected Netanyahu's request, and on December 23rd of 2016, the Security Council passed the resolution with the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Samantha Power, refraining from voting on it. After Resolution 2334 passed, Obama and his staff began working on another anti-Israel resolution in the Security Council. This one tougher and aiming to force Israel to create a Palestinian state along the 1948 armistice lines. It was outgoing Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, Danny Dannon, who sounded the alarm. At that point, Netanyahu called Putin again, explaining that Obama's next resolution would severely harm Israel and destabilize the region. At that point, Putin acceded to Netanyahu's request and said that if the resolution was brought for a vote, Russia would block it. According to what Netanyahu said, Russia's intention to torpedo the U.S. process against Israel came to the attention of Obama, who realized that if Russia were the one to veto the resolution, it would severely harm the U.S. reliability as a friend of Israel, as well as severely harm the U.S.'s image in the eyes of the Jewish community. It all came back to wanting to win that election. As a result, Obama decided to bury the resolution. So thank goodness that Netanyahu was in close enough with Putin where he could get him to do that. And so there you go. Christian news today. Before we get into our first article, congratulations to Michael Toller. He's finished all of the Genesis sermons. He went to Ruth, did the Ruth sermons, which is the pattern we followed. And then he went back and he has watched all of the Exodus sermons. So it's a real achievement there. And I want to congratulate him. Um, from the voice of the martyrs, we have just received news that one of our supporters, this just happened in the past week or so, a doctor living in Australia, has had a formal complaint made against him for praying with a patient. The patient, a Christian teenager who suffers from anxiety, was admitted to emergency following a severe panic attack. The patient's father asked the doctor if he would talk to her and also pray with her. 
the patient gave her permission. So the father says it's okay, the patient says it's okay. The following week, the patient's mother, who was separated from the father, contacted the hospital and filed the complaint against the doctor. He is currently under investigation. This is the kind of thing that's going on in Australia, it's going on in other parts of the world, and it needs to be prayed against and it needs to be actively worked against. From the Christian headlines, Trump DOJ to court, faith-based adoption agencies can refuse same-sex couples. Now that'll obviously go into the courts and it will be either overturned or it'll be passed or whatever, but Trump's DOJ is saying that they should be able to refuse same-sex couples. Good stuff there. Times of Israel. World Council of Churches wants EU sanctions on Israel if annexation goes ahead. The, there are a bunch of lefties in the WCC. The WCC is asking European diplomats to punish Israel with sanctions if it annexes West Bank lands. The request has triggered a heated debate in Christian circles. The call to punish Israel came in a letter to EU foreign ministers from the Geneva headquarters of the council, an umbrella body established in 1948 that now has 350 member churches with about 500,000 followers among them. The Catholic Church is not a member. If Israel annexes land, the letter said, the EU must surely suspend the EU-Israel Association Agreement, a reference to the 1995 contract that promotes trade between the bloc and the Jewish state. In addition, the EU should apply sanctions on Israel, at least commensurate with those adopted by the EU in response to Russia's annexation of Crimea. The unilateral annexation of yet more of the territory that remains to Palestinians cannot lead to justice or to peace, but only to greater injustice, the church body wrote. In recent years, the council has been accused of pursuing an anti-Israel agenda, which they have been, and they're very left-wing, a claim rejected by its leaders, of course. In 2019, it emerged that the council had gathered information for years on the Israeli army's actions in the land that the council and international community regards as occupied, with activists masquerading as tourists. So the WCC is sending people down to Israel, acting as tourists, and they're spying on Israel. In the Netherlands, the letter caused a split within the country's largest body, the Council of Churches of the Netherlands. Additionally, Two church bodies that belong to the Church of Councils of the Netherlands publicly distance themselves from the Umbrella Group's letter to block and complain that the decision to include them as co-signers was made without consulting them and against their positions. The churches that protested were United Pentecostal and Evangelical Churches and the Covenant of Free Evangelical Congregations in the Netherlands, which have tens of thousands of followers and about 200 congregations between them. They did not want to be a part of that. They were thrown into that umbrella and they said, we don't want that. So there you go with that. From Discern Christianity Today, this is something that Vic was talking to me about before church today. Christianity Today calls for churches to pay reparations to black people. Repentance is not enough. Christianity Today is calling on churches to lead the way in biblical restitution for racial sin, claiming that repentance is not enough. In an editorial, Christianity Today's president and CEO, Timothy Dalrymple, I guess, labeled slavery one of America's original sins, adding that the Christian church was silent in the face of slavery or even complicit in it. Never mind that it was Christians that got it to end through 
England and the United States. You know, we can overlook that part and we can just say this type of stuff. Many of the same ministers who defended slavery in the antebellum South likewise defended the racist systems that followed after the Civil War. And that's going on in the world today. We have uh, slavery in all of the Muslim countries. Many of them are still actively working in the slave trade, etc., and, you know, it's part of the world we live in. America did get over it. We have had equal rights since, what, the 60s. We've been promoting this, and now all of a sudden it's become something that we're moving backwards again. Dara Limple, or however you pronounce this guy's name, also referenced the story of Zacchaeus, in which the unscrupulous tax collector, he's taking verses completely out of their intended context, upon meeting Jesus, promised to give half of my possessions to the poor and make reparations to those he had cheated, Luke 18.8. Zacchaeus had not personally designed the unjust system of Roman taxation, but he had not denounced it either. He had participated in it and profited from it. So Zacchaeus did not merely repent of his ways, he made restitution. He set up what we might call a Zacchaeus fund in order to restore what belonged to his neighbors. Are we willing to do the same? Black lives matter. They matter so much that Jesus sacrificed everything for them. Well, Jesus sacrificed everything for every person on this planet. It's each individual to make the choice, but if we're going to cite scripture, we need to do it in context, not that kind of stuff. From Islam today, from our missionary in China, Les, he came up with kind of an idea which may have some uh, some substance behind it. He emailed me and he said that the Democrat cities call for disbanding the police. We've seen that for weeks now. Citizens demand some type of security. We know that. We just had a shooting in the Chaz district of Seattle. And who did they call? They didn't call Ghostbusters. They called the police, right? But uh, they want some type of security, local community security, whatever. Well, we already have in New York City, Brooklyn already has Muslim patrols. Why not have Muslim patrols in Minnesota? Because they got lots of Muslims up there. They work in New York City. That way, they're not enemy trying to conquer you and which you can fight. That's kind of astute of him, and we'll see if it actually happens. But people are trying to think through what is the left trying to gain by these things. That could be one of them. From U.S. News Today, rivals Russia and Turkey both support a Libya peace process, Moscow says. Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov and his Turkish counterpart Kavu Soglu agreed on the need to collaborate to create the conditions for a peace process in Libya. Russia and Turkey back opposite sides in the conflict. And as I said, time and time again, Russia will win no matter who wins. The two parties also agreed that a new UN-Libya envoy must be appointed swiftly, the statement said, following a call between the two men. So Russia is working on both sides of this, and whoever wins in this fight, Russia will win. They will get Libya, and that will be one of the nations coming against Israel. Just another little cog in the wheel with that article there from Al Jamainer. U.S. announces return of sanctions on Iran regime's national maritime carrier. We're doing the right thing here. We're squeezing Iran. This is another part of that. Iran's national maritime carrier and its China-based subsidiary came under U.S. sanctions, Pompeo announced. The measures are part of the U.S. effort to sanction Iranian entities involved in the production and distribution of WMD, Pompeo explained. IRISL has repeatedly transported items related to Iran's ballistic missile and military programs and is also a long-standing carrier of other proliferation-sensitive items, including nuclear suppliers group controlled items, the Secretary of State noted. 
He added, despite Iran's claims that it will never develop nuclear weapons and associated delivery systems, the Iranian regime has continued to pursue and procure proliferation-sensitive items in violation of the UN Security Council resolution. IRISL's illicit activities were mentioned in two separate UN Security Council resolutions back in 2008 and 2010, both of which urged member states to closely inspect the state-owned company's ships. The company was also blacklisted by the European Union in 2008. Under the terms of the 2015 nuclear deal agreed between Iran, the U.S., and five other powers, punitive measures by the U.N. and E.U. against IRISL were lifted. Our president, our previous president, did that. Monday's renewed designations serve as a clear warning that anyone doing business with or otherwise supporting IRISL or ESAIL are exposed to potential sanctions and risk contributing to Iran's proliferation-sensitive programs, including its nuclear and missile programs, Pompeo declared. We urge government authorities worldwide to investigate all IRISL and ESAIL activity in your ports and territorial seas and take appropriate action to put a halt to it. I'm very proud of our president and the Secretary of State doing this. It's one of the last things that we can do against Iran, but it's having a great effect. We'll see that maybe next week. I got a couple articles I read this morning on that. From the Jerusalem Post, IAEA has serious concern on undeclared nuke material activities in Iran. IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi expressed serious concerns regarding their failure to clarify questions regarding possible undeclared nuclear material and related activities. Speaking on the sidelines of a meeting of the IAEA's Board of Governor, Grossi ratcheted up the pressure on Islamic Republic for failing to grant his inspectors access to two nuclear facilities, something we talked about last week or two weeks ago, and failing to clarify undeclared nuclear material, which the inspectors discovered last year. I note with serious concern that for over four months, Iran has denied us access to two locations that for almost a year it is not engaged in substantive discussions to clarify our questions related to possible undeclared nuclear material and nuclear-related activities, said Grossi. He continued, this is adversely affecting the agency's ability to resolve the questions and to provide credible assurance of the absence of undeclared nuclear material and activities at these locations in Iran. Moreover, Grossi said, I call on Iran to cooperate immediately and fully with the agency, including by providing prompt access to the location specified by us. At one point, Grossi was asked with an air of criticism why he was creating a confrontation with the Islamic Republic over nuclear sites based on what Iran claims in biased intelligence when the IAEA has access to current nuclear sites. The IAEA director general responded that his agency only confronted Iran after extensive and meticulous process of cross-checking and verifying all information it received from any third parties. Further, he said that if Tehran had answered questions posed to it months ago, it might have not been necessary to ask for access to these sites. So even the press are hounding these people that are just trying to get an answer to something that they have not been able to get an answer to. So we'll see where it goes. Mongolia today. Monsami, United States to give PPE kits to support Mongolia's coronavirus response politics. 
Mongolia has benefited probably more than any country in the world from the coronavirus because they've had very few cases and they've been getting money from everybody and their grandmother. Minister of Foreign Affairs Mongolia D. Tsogbatar, I guess, received U.S. Ambassador Mongolia Michael Klecheski at the latter's request. The sides exchange views about the current state of COVID-19 pandemic and cooperation, bilateral opportunities. The U.S. ambassador at the meeting informed that the U.S. assistance of personal protective equipment kits will be presented to Mongolia for its fight against the pandemic. And I wanted to know how the pandemic is going. The last time we reported on it, it was almost non-existent. Aki Press this week said Mongolia reports one new COVID-19 case bringing the country's tally to 194. And that's total. None of them are withstanding except that one. All of the rest of them are resolved. And I think, what was it, uh, like 92% of them were foreigners that had come into the nation. So Mongolia has no problem with this. But they're making a lot of money and getting a lot of stuff from other countries. From Daniel 12 Technology, New Atlas, secret of squid invisibility used to turn human cells transparent. If you want to be the invisible man someday, they're working on it. Of all the superpowers in the animal kingdom, the squid's ability to turn invisible is one of the coolest. And now scientists at UC Irvine have managed to recreate that in human cells for the first time, granting them tunable transparency. Active camouflage is a survival strategy used by many cephalopods, including octopuses, squids, and cuttlefish. The animals pull off this feat with the help of cells that change how light scatters off of them, allowing them to change color or effectively turn transparent. Understandably, this could come in very handy for new camouflage materials. The researchers focused on a particular species of squid called Dorytheuthis, I guess, opalescens, which can change a strip along its body from white to transparent. Along with this structure is what allows the squids to scatter light, producing iridescent camouflage. For the new study, the UC Irvine team attempted to introduce that ability into human cells. To do so, they genetically engineered human embryonic kidney cells to express reflectin, and sure enough, it worked. On closer inspection, the proteins were seen to gather into particles inside the cells, altering how they scattered light. We were amazed to find that the cells not only expressed reflectin, but also packaged the protein in spheroidal nanostructures and distributed them throughout the cell's bodies. Through quantitative phase microscopy, we were able to determine that the protein structures had different optical characteristics when compared to cytoplasm inside the cells. In other words, they optically behaved almost as they do in their native cephalopod leocophores or something. In another test, the team investigated how this ability could be controlled. The cells were placed between two plates of coated glass and exposed to different amounts of sodium chloride. They found that under higher sodium levels, cells appeared to scatter more light and stand out from their surroundings better than those exposed to lower sodium levels. This project showed that it is possible to develop human cells with stimuli-responsive optical properties inspired by lacophores and cephalopods, and it shows that these amazing reflectant proteins can maintain their properties in foreign cellular environments. They're trying to make people invisible. They may be able to do it. We'll see. Revelation Plagues today from Yahoo. Venezuela on the brink of a famine with fuel too scarce 
to sow crops. Now, this is the most oil-rich nation on the planet, and they can't even fill up their tractors to sow crops. Venezuelan farmer Roberto Latini fears his window to plant this year's crop is quickly closing. He'd hoped to seed corn, but couldn't find fuel to operate his trucks and equipment before the dry season ended. So he set his sights on rice, which can be planted even in heavy rains. Weeks later, fuel is still short, and as times go by, it's getting too late to sow. After seven years of economic collapse, Venezuela's crisis has entered a troubling new phase. In a nation that's home to the world's largest oil reserves, fuel shortages have grown so acute that fields are going bare. Venezuela is now on the verge of famine. More than half of the land used to grow vegetables last year won't be replanted. Corn production is expected to cover less than a quarter of national demand. And the tightening vice of U.S. sanctions threatens to strangle what little food and oil is getting in from abroad. We'll start to see the consequences of this in the next few months. Already we're eating vegetables that were planted two or three months ago. Rice was sowed six months ago and corn from the previous crop cycle. Oil fields across Venezuela have shut amid the U.S.'s relentless campaign to cut the nation off from global markets. Evidence of fuel scarcity is everywhere. Ambulances cannot run, telecommunication networks are faltering, and some farmers have given up altogether on machinery using oxen instead. A shipment of oil from Iran that arrived late last month may have dented the dearth in Caracas, but farmers like Latini say they haven't seen much evidence of it in the countryside. Latini, whose farm is located in the crop-growing hub of Turin, said his only option is to wait all day at a gas station. The daily limit of 7.9 gallons is not nearly enough. Or shell out $15 a gallon on the black market. The situation is set to get worse, even as the government tries to ease the pain with $20 million in agricultural credit, while FAO Venezuela distributes fertilizers and seeds. In recent years, the government has imported more than half the corn it needs, which is a staple in local diets, and the key ingredient of a popular dish known as arepa. But with an all-but-worthless currency, dwindling foreign reserves, and sanctions, it has had to get creative in reaching deals. Last year, it agreed to trade oil for corn and water trucks, but the Mexico firm on the other side of the accord has since gone bankrupt. And COVID-19 lockdowns in Colombia and Ecuador are prompting a flood of refugees to return home, boosting food demand. They're in real trouble there, and it's because they've got a socialist government that is not willing to cooperate on the world stage. From the Daily Wire, extremely severe. China starts locking down parts of Beijing over a new coronavirus outbreak after failing to contain the pandemic. I know you've heard about that, but at the time I went and checked, 53 people had tested positive and they're talking about locking down entire cities. This is not true. This is China trying to get people upset by the national news by doing this so that they get the people in America upset during the presidential elections so that Trump cannot have his rallies, just like the left doesn't want him to have his rallies so that they can get their people in, because Trump is the threat to China right now. There's no doubt about this. This is an agenda against the president of the United States. For morality, KTLA, Trump administration revokes Obama-era protection for transgender Americans against health care discrimination. In a move applauded by President Donald Trump's conservative religious base, his admin finalized a rule that overturns Obama-era protections for transgender people against sex discrimination in health care. 
The DHHS said it will enforce sex discrimination protections according to the plain meaning of the word sex as male or female and as determined by biology. This rewrites an Obama-era regulation that sought a broader understanding shaped by a person's internal sense of being male or female, neither or a combination. From the Daily Caller, SCOTUS rules LGBT individuals protected from job discrimination under Title VII. I know you heard about that, but the reason why I included that is because Trump has just signed that one that I just read you. That will be challenged, and with the SCOTUS that we have right now, it's probably going to get overturned as well. So we need to make sure we vote for our president, we get a Republican Congress in there, House and Senate, and we get in some new conservative judges, because if not, we're going to be stuck with all of these things in perpetuity. From Christian Headlines, federal court upholds pro-life law requiring abortion clinics to distribute booklets stating each human being begins at conception. Good job. Mail Online, Nickelodeon hints that SpongeBob SquarePants is gay as the character is revealed to be celebrating Pride Month. So I know my, didn't they grow up, Tangi and Thor grow up watching that? No? Okay. Well, I heard the name SpongeBob SquarePants at some point and I thought maybe it was my kids, but apparently he's gay. Our other category, Zero Hedge, country with world's largest oil reserves. Once again, Venezuela has only one rig left. The collapse in oil prices and the tightening U.S. sanctions against Venezuela have accelerated the decline of the oil industry in the country, sitting on the largest crude oil reserves in the world. As of May, Venezuela's rig count plunged to just two, as production slipped by 16%. Of the two rigs that are active in Venezuela last month, one was working at an oil field and another was drilling for gas. In March, Venezuela had 25 operational oil and gas rigs. Venezuela has seen some reprieve recently in its fuel shortage program after Iranian tankers shipped gasoline and refining components to the Latin American country in an open defiance of U.S. sanctions. Maduro's regime tried to alleviate the fuel shortage in the country home to the world's biggest oil reserves. That's kind of ironic there. But a new scheme of subsidized gas failed to put an end to the long lines in which Venezuelans queued to fill their cars with fuel. From the Epic Times, Trump authorizes sanctions against ICC officials over probe of U.S. personnel. I don't know if you've heard this, but this is really an important thing that our president is doing. President Trump authorized sanctioning any ICC officials. They want to take our military and they want to try them in the International Criminal Court, which we are not a member of, by the way. Okay, these officials who try to investigate or prosecute U.S. military or intelligence personnel as top officials argued that the U.S. conducts its own probes in alleged misconduct. Trump issued an executive order on declaring a national emergency with respect to attempts by the ICC to assert authority over U.S. personnel without U.S. consent. If Secretary of State Pompeo determines that foreign persons are involved in such attempts, they'll have their property and their interests blocked by the Treasury Department officials. An ICC spokesman said in an email to the Epic Times that the court is aware of the U.S. action and will issue a reaction after examination of its content. White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany, that girl is smart. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she is a very good press secretary. Has anybody been watching her? I usually watch a couple minutes a day of her in between two things, and she, she tears the left up. She is really good. 
And she always has that cross on, doesn't she? Right out in everybody's face. Good job, Keely. Uh, she said in a statement that Trump authorized the expansion of visa restrictions against ICC officials and their family members. From the Times of Israel, EU has serious concern about U.S. sanctions against ICC. Why should they have any concern at all? Donald Trump's decision to authorize sanctions against the ICC is a matter of serious concern, the EU's top diplomat said. From Zero Hedge, former Steve Jobs advisor says Facebook is destroying the very fabric of human relationships. I would agree with that. I've been on Facebook forever and uh, since, uh, I don't know, 20, been 15 years maybe. And it started out, people were always cordial to each other and they would post things about themselves and then other people would post stuff about themselves. And then it kind of got into everybody was posting their old favorite music from years ago in high school or whatever. And then started to get into posts, what people thought about things. And they kind of got ignored because people, their attention span was getting short. And so they started getting into shorter posts and shorter posts. And then it turned into just memes. And for a while, that's all you saw on Facebook was memes. And now what you see is just people posting articles about hate. That's all you see. Just, you know, the, the left does this, BLM does that. And they, they, you see all that back and forth. So I made a commitment over the past two weeks ago or so that I'm just going to try to post positive stuff. You know, I do post positive stuff every morning and then some you know, negative stuff during the day. And I said, I'm going to try to not do that. I'll try to be positive in my post. But here we go. During a question and answer session at the 2020 COGX conference, Joanna Hoffman was asked about the cult of leadership within Silicon Valley. As I look at Facebook, for example, I keep thinking they're really that ignorant or is this motivated by something darker than what appears? Hoffman went on to accuse Facebook of destroying the very fabric of democracies, destroying the very fabric of human relationships and peddling in an active drug called anger. You know, it's just like tobacco. It's no different than the opioids. We know anger is addictive. We know we can attract people to our platform and get engagement if we get them upset enough. She didn't say upset. She used another term, but I'll skip over that. So therefore, what we should capitalize on that each and every time while Hoffman was talking about Facebook, much of the same charges could be made against Twitter. Twitter has become a monstrous echo chamber of hysterical nonsense controlled by outrageous mobs who abuse the platform to threaten criminal acts, as well as intimidating, doxing, and attempting to ruin people's lives for the sin of holding an alternate opinion. Much criticism of social media is framed in the context of it is a threat to democracy despite the fact that both Twitter and Facebook are more censorious than ever, with overwhelming target being conservatives and anyone who offends woke jihadists. In reality, the real damage being done by these platforms is to people's mental health, to the cohesion of a functioning society, and to the concept of free speech itself. Okay, Zero Hedge. Major bicycle brand suspends sales to police claiming bikes are weaponized against protesters. Yeah, a 120-year-old company has now suspended all sales of police bicycles to law enforcement departments nationwide amidst activist claims that officers are using them as weapons against protesters. The North American distributor of Fuji Bicycles Bike Co., which I'll never buy another Fuji bicycle, I don't ride bikes anyway, said to hear that there are instances where bicycles have been used as a weapon against those who are vulnerable, those speaking out against the unjust treatment of people of color, and those standing alongside them advocating change. 
This has deeply upset our community, our company, and the heart of the Fuji board. In the last week, we have seen our bicycles used in violent tactics that we did not intend or design them to be used for. In an effort to work towards real change, the Northern American distributor of Fuji bikes is suspending the sale of police bikes. However, some observers noted the Philadelphia-based company didn't provide a single specific example of using a Fuji bike as a weapon in the lengthy company statement. So they're just making stuff up. Okay, I said our update would be a little long today, and this is the long part. This is a special section entitled The Agenda. Now, I read this about four or five years ago on the Prophecy Update. I figured it was time to do it soon. And Lisa White in over Australia sent me a copy of the book, and I said, it's time to do it. So here we go. This is from a book that was written. It was uh, something that a congressman of the United States of America in 1963 read, and he had entered into the congressional record. And I want to read it to you, okay? I want you to see if what this was said in 1963 and entered into the congressional record matches at all what is going on in America today. Congressional record appendix page A34 and A35. I went and checked to make sure it was actually in there. This is correct. He did submit this into the record. Current communist goals, extension of remarks of Honorable A.S. Herlong Jr. of Florida in the House of Representatives. Thursday, January 10th, 1963. Mr. Herlong, Mr. Speaker, Mrs. Patricia Nordman of DeLand, Florida, is an ardent and articulate opponent of communism and until recently published the DeLand Courier, which she dedicated to the purpose of alerting the public to the dangers of communism in America. At Mrs. Nordman's request, I include in the record, under unanimous consent, the following current communist goals, which she identifies as an excerpt from The Naked Communist by Cleon Skousen. Okay, this was entered into the congressional records in 1963. Current communist goals. One, U.S. acceptance of coexistence as the only alternative to atomic war. Two, U.S. willingness to capitulate in preference to engaging in atomic war. Three, developed the illusion that total disarmament by the United States would be a demonstration of moral strength. They've been working on these for years. Four, permit free trade between all nations regardless of communist affiliation and regardless of whether or not items could be used for war. Five, extension of long-term loans to Russia and Soviet satellites. Doesn't really apply anymore. Six, provide American aid to all nations regardless of communist denomination. Seven, grant recognition of Red China, admission of Red China to the UN. That was definitely done. Eight, set up East and West Germany, no longer applies, so I'll skip that one. Nine, prolong conferences to ban atomic tests because the United States has agreed to suspend tests as long as negotiations are in process. They did ban the tests. Trump just backed out of that this past month, I believe it was. Ten, Allow all Soviet satellites individual representation in the UN. No longer applies. 11. Promote the UN as the only hope for mankind. That is ongoing. If its charter is rewritten, demand that it be set up as a one-world government coming to a government near you with its own independent armed forces. Some communist leaders believe the world can be taken over as easily by the UN as by Moscow. 
Sometimes these two centers compete with each other as they are now doing in the Congo. We saw that back in the Congolese War. 12. Resist any attempt to outlaw the Communist Party. Well, that's all over America now. 13. Do away with loyalty oaths. We've seen that in the past five years like you can't believe. Okay? 14. Continue giving Russia access to the U.S. Patent Office. Kind of null and void, but yes, they're all over it. 15. Capture one or both of the political parties of the United States. They got it. it. Capture one or both of the political parties of the United States. They definitely have one. 16. Use technical decisions of the courts to weaken basic American institutions by claiming their activities violate civil rights. They definitely have that one. 17. Get control of the schools. That was done 15, 20 years ago at least. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. We know that has happened all the way through all levels of our school system, all the way up through the colleges. This was 1963. said this is coming and it's happened. Soften the curriculum. Get control of teachers associations. All done. Put the party line in textbooks. Done. 18. Gain control of all student newspapers. Done. 19. Use student riots to foment public protests against programs or organizations which are under communist attack. Done. 20. Infiltrate the press. Done. Get control of book review assignments, editorial writing, and policy making positions. Done. 21. Gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. Done. 22. Continue discrediting American culture by degrading all forms of artistic expression. Done. An American communist cell was told to eliminate all good sculpture from parks and buildings. Substitute shapeless, awkward, and meaningless forms. They're tearing down our culture right before our eyes for the past three weeks as they were a year ago. That's done. 23. Control art critics and directors of art museums. Our plan is to promote ugliness, repulsive, meaningless art. If you go downtown in Sarasota, they tore out all of the nice artwork that we have, and they put in all these boxes and gross things, cars sticking out of the ground. That's done. At least it is here. I don't know about the rest of the nation, but this has been an agenda to get rid of anything of beauty, to bring in people to a state of numbness. 24. Eliminate all laws governing obscenity. Done. By calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. Done. 25. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. Done. Now remember, this was 1963. 1963, and he was saying, this is coming. And all of these things are done in our lives. What was that? 26 now. Present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Go watch last week's Prophecy Update, and you'll see. Done. 27. Infiltrate the churches. Talking about that this morning. And replace revealed religion with social religion. Done in almost all major denominations. And the ones that aren't are being worked on very heavily. Discredit the Bible. Done. And emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious crutch. Done. 28. Eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expressions in the schools on the ground that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. 
That's done. Remember, these goals were published to expose them in 1958, he said. He was worried about this in 1963, saying this guy wrote this in 1958. And now it's all done. And he asked, coincidence? They've been working on it now for these past 40, 50 years. 29, discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, a hindrance to cooperation between nations on a worldwide basis. That is done. I read several articles this week by people that are saying the Constitution needs to be eliminated. Okay, 30, discredit the American founding fathers. That is done all over our nation in the past two weeks. Founding fathers present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. They have been doing that, but they've been using Black Lives Matter in this agenda because it's more poignant than just saying that they were aristocrats. They're saying, well, they were slave owners. Well, they all worked against slavery as well. Just because they had slaves doesn't mean that they didn't work against it. But anyway, we've forgotten that part of our history as well. Um, Let's see here. 31, belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that it was only a minor part of the big picture. Give more emphasis to Russian history since the commies took over. That's pretty much done, but they've done away with the Russian part, and they're doing all of the other parts of the world where this is a better culture than American. This is a better culture, but it's done. All right, 32, support any socialist movement to give centralized control over any part of the culture, education, social agencies, welfare programs, mental health clinics, and so on, done. 33, eliminate all laws or procedures which interfere with the operation of the communist apparatus. They have done that for sure. 34, eliminate the House Committee of Un-American Activities. That's been gone forever, I think. 35, discredit and eventually dismantle the FBI. They did it to themselves, okay? They've discredited themselves, but now something will have to take its place, I'm sure, because they've done such a job of discrediting it. Maybe it was intended to do it from the inside anyway, but there you go. 36, infiltrate and gain control over more unions. Well, that was done years ago. They've been left for for eons now. 37, infiltrate and gain control over big businesses. All of them are done. They're all on the left now. 38, transfer some of the powers of arrest from police to social agencies. Exactly what we just said in that article a minute ago and what my friend uh, Les in China said. Treat all behavioral problems as psychiatric disorders, which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. I mentioned that throughout the update last week, right? And here we are. Exactly what they said was coming has happened. 39, dominate the psychiatric profession and use mental health laws as a means of gaining coercive control over those who oppose communist goals. 40, discredit the family as an institution. I can tell you that's done. I'm in the projects every week of my life and it is done there and it is spread out from these government controlled areas to all of the society now. Encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Done. 41, Emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. We've seen that everywhere in this nation. Attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to suppressive influence of parents. 42. Create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate. You tell me, yeah, you tell me that hasn't happened in the past three or four weeks. You are out of your mind 
That is 100% what they have done. These are legitimate protesters. It doesn't matter that they're burning down buildings. It doesn't matter that they're not wearing masks, but Trump can't have a rally because they might cause COVID-19. All are legitimate aspects of the American tradition that students and special interest groups should rise up and use united force to solve economic, political, or social problems. Exactly what they said was coming is in our land right now. 43, overthrow all colonial governments before native populations are ready for self-government. That one's before my time, but I'll let you figure that one out on your own. 44, internationalize the Panama Canal. Well, we had Jimmy Carter in office and he took care of that one for us. 45, repeal the Connolly Reservation so the United States cannot prevent the world court from seizing jurisdiction over domestic problems, give the world court jurisdiction over nations and individuals alike. If it wasn't for Donald Trump, that would have happened with the ICC for sure. And it would be going on with the UN and all of these other, he's getting rid of the WHO, all of the things that they have put into power to take over our power, he is working against. He's the one person that's standing against all of this, okay? The Lord knows if Donald Trump is going to be the president or not. He already knows that. He's known before he created anything. We need to pray for it, though, because God does respond to prayer. And our prayers are factored into what he already knows. That may sound contradictory. It is not. We need to be in prayer. But one way or another, this has happened in our nation. It is continuing to happen. And if we have that Democrat or whoever replaces him before the uh, actual election, because I don't think he's going to make it that far, whoever wins... These will all be affected in their entirety, and there won't be any help for this nation. But we'll see what happens. It's in the Lord's hand, and all we can do is say, thy will be done. He is the creator. We have fallen away from this uh, faith throughout this nation. We have not humbled ourselves before him, and so if this happens, it's because we justly deserve it. But we should pray that it doesn't, and that people would respond appropriately and work against this. We'll see. Got a lesser care for you. Facebook wants to keep all of us ticked. They rejoice to see someone's blank kicked. <laughs> Twitter's no better, though. They all just want the dough. Pray that God sees their consciences pricked. Good job. Okay, before I give you a couple of ironies, we have a brand new Sergio and Rhoda episode. Please watch it. It was very good. It came out. We watched it here first thing this morning, and it went live at the same time, and it was very good, and it's part one of a part two, and next week is going to be, or the next one, I think it's in two weeks, is going to be really, really good. Something that you can't imagine that they found in Israel. Okay, a couple ironies. I know that death is sad, but death is also ironic at times. Okay, Mail Online, Indian holy man who claimed he could perform COVID exorcisms by kissing people's hands dies of coronavirus having infected 20 of his followers. And then Mail Online, Rising rapper K.J. Bala, 23, is shot dead in Brooklyn after rhyming in a recent video that he cannot die in the street. So there you go. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.